Word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Preacher, starting a new series next Sunday. We're going to see a little video on it right here. series we start next week is called The Bridge. So we want to talk about relationships, how important they are in the church and in your own personal life. But it takes bridges to get those relationships to work right. We've got to build them. Sometimes they get blown up, don't they? That bridge, it's blown up. And if people want to rebuild the bridge, they've got to work. At rebuilding the bridge. So we'll talk about that next few weeks. Mother's Day's coming up. I'm excited. Are you excited? Those mamas, they're the most important people in the world. Amen. Oh, come on now. Mama's the most important people in the world. Daddies, not so much. I say, you know. My wife had a pillow at home that said, um, If Mammy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And she had a second pillow that said, and if Pappy ain't happy, don't nobody care. <laughs> so, I knew right where I stood early on. And there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of truth to that. But today we want to finish our Red Letter Day series we've been doing. I hope you've enjoyed it. Taking a look at some of the phrases that Jesus shared from the cross. And today, he shares the great statement, you will be with me in paradise. Boy, those are powerful words, aren't they? You'll be with me today in paradise. Now, I need you to help me to do something. On a scale of one to a hundred, how good do you think you are? Okay, so I want you to think about it a minute. On a scale of one to a hundred. Now, one would be scum of the earth, okay? You fill in the blank what scum of the earth is. Anybody want to give me an idea what a scum of the earth is? Don't point. No. (laughs) Drug addicts, prostitutes, congressmen. (laughs) (laughs) Then a hundred. Tell me who who reaches a hundred. Jesus, he's it. So I want you to know you're not a hundred. So don't say, well, I'm 100 at least, or 105. Oh, yeah. Right. That puts you back down to about three. No. So come up with a number real quick. One to 100. No, don't yell it out yet. All right, now let's turn to your neighbor on your right and tell them. Because, see, they turned away from you, right? <laughs> so turn to your neighbor on your right and your left and tell them what number you think you are. All right, is somebody brave enough to tell me their number? 
Seventy. That's pretty good. Anybody else? Fifty. Half and half. Half good, half bad. Mmm. See, it depends on what day. It's, she's good on some days and bad on other days. Anybody else? The number? 55. So she's leaning good. Oh, we all do. We're all works in progress. Amen. Well, we should never forget that, by the way, that we're all works in progress. When we get really mad at each other, just stop a minute and say, you know, we're all a work in progress, including myself. And I know that's hard for you to do because you don't think that you're, you're perfect in every way, right? Just sing the song. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Yeah. Anybody else? Number? 45. Leaning on the bad. She's leaning on the bad. You see, up in the 90s, that's where you're going to find the Billy Grahams and the Mother Teresas. You're going to find the axe murderers and pedophiles and people now that shop at Target down in the one or two area. Anybody know what I mean by the people who shop at Target? No? How many of you shop at Target? No, it's not Target. <laughs> Be careful about Target. If you're not sure what the, what I'm talking about, educate yourself. They just came out with a corporate statement that said, if you identify as a woman, you can go in, or you can go into the men's restroom. If you identify as a man, you can go into the women's restroom. You can go into the dressing rooms. You can go in anywhere you want to go because we want to make sure everybody feels included. Anyway, I, for one, am not going to shop at Target. That's my stand. You take your stand. Or not. Or not. But when you compare yourself with other people, and we tend to do that, don't we? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes preachers get compared to. You know, sometimes preachers are those guys that people will compare their life to. Say, boy, if I was just like that preacher. Now, I'm sure I'm not one of them, and that's okay. That's why I come down here and preach from the floor. I don't stand up there anymore. First, because I fell off of there one time, as some of you might remember. And that hurt when I fell off of there. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, what was that peanut gallery statement back there? Fell from grace, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it was a graceful fall as well, but nevertheless. But I think it's important that we be careful about who we compare ourselves to. Because there's a tendency to do that. We'll look at politicians and we'll see them in certain ways and we'll compare ourselves. Well, I'm sure glad I'm not like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. That's how we tend to compare ourselves. We're glad we're not like so-and-so and so-and-so. Do you remember the prayer that Jesus prayed? Or tells the story of the, of the publican and the sinner? I, I meant story he tells. And one is saying, boy, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like that man over there. And then the other one prayed, Oh, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. You see, there, he can work with that, can't he? 
God can take somebody like that and do something great with them. Humility can go a long ways. And we need to have more of that. But when you compare yourself to other people, there's two things that can happen. First of all, you might feel better, if you're taking notes, it's there in your notes, you might feel better about yourself. Because, I mean, after all, if they're a really, really bad person, you look really good now. See what I'm saying? I mean, hey, if the person ran over, and how tragic the little three-year-old that got ran over last week. How tragic is that? Of course, you know, when you mix drinking and drugs, you don't really know what you're doing, do you? I read the story of a guy that the police chased for several miles till he crashed his car. Then he took off running, and they had to taser him to get him to quit, to stop. And they said, well, he was chemically impaired. Really? <laughs> you think? But sometimes you feel better about yourself, but the other side of that coin is there too. You might feel worse about yourself. <clears throat> because if you begin to compare yourself to other people and how they walk and how they live... <clears throat> You might find yourself lacking. And if you find yourself lacking, now what do I do? Now what do I do? Who is the ultimate person we should compare our life to? Jesus Christ. Now you'll never go wrong when you compare your life to His life because I can assure you, you will be lacking. You will, we'll all be lacking when we compare <clears throat> our lives to Jesus who didn't think it robbery to submit himself to the cross, who didn't think it was wrong to empty himself for the sake of other people. Hmm. I love the story about the brother and the sister and the brother the girl the, the sister had uh, needed bone marrow <clears throat> transplant and the brother was a compatible match for her and so they're at the uh, hospital and the doctor's getting them hooked up and they're laying side by side and the little boy looks up and he says mom when am i going to die she said well honey you're not going to die you're just going to help your sister he said, well, but they're going to take everything out of me and put it in her. And you know, Mom, I'm okay with that. What? How do you get that when you're 9 and 10 years old? Wow. How do you get that? I mean, you know, when you compare yourself to other people, you might think you're a good person. Especially if you're a mom. <clears throat> moms might do that a lot. They'll, they'll see a, one of those super moms. Boy, if I could just keep up with her. Wow. I think all of my daughter-in-laws are super moms. But especially my oldest daughter-in-law, Misty. She has three wild-eyed children. Now, one of them, she's pretty compliant. That Kelsey is like a mini-mom. The other day she posted on Facebook and said, Kelsey changed her own, her first dirty diaper, and I didn't even have to ask her because she just saw the need. So they, they let me babysit last night while they went out. Here's what Jeff says. 
because Cindy's down in Houston seeing the other grand, grandbaby. So Jeff looks at me and he goes, Dad, Kelsey can help you. She's here. She can help you. I thought, I, held, I handled you, I handled Corey, I handled Mark. I believe I can handle these three. But he wanted to make sure that I knew that I had backup with Kelsey there. She's eight. But it's true. <laughs> you didn't have to bring it up, Joe. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something a little more. At church. Maybe you find somebody at church that you just, you just know that they're the greatest person that's ever come to. God died just for them, not for anybody else. They're godly people. Their prayers are more powerful than anybody's prayers, especially my own prayers. Then there's those people that cheat on taxes. Well, it's just the government. I think Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is, finish it, Caesar's. And unto the Lord what is the, an interesting commentary on that is that, you see, he was holding a coin up when he said that. He said, this can all go to Caesar, but give unto the Lord what is the Lord's. In other words, you and I are the Lord's. He bought us with a price. At Calvary, at the cross, we became His possession because we wanted Him to be a we wanted to be a possession of His. Amen. Big difference, big difference. Let's go to our, our our story in Luke chapter 23. It says two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Christ to be executed. Verse 33. When they came to the place called the Skull where they crucified Jesus along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Now, I've told you the humorous story about the preacher that was dying, and maybe you remember the story, and if you do, don't, don't laugh too soon. But the uh, preacher is on his deathbed, and he calls his two friends, one's a lawyer, one's a doctor, calls them to come by the house to see him in his final moments. They both came, and stood at the foot of his bed and he said, Preacher, we're just honored that you would ask us to come. Uh, we're just baffled as to why. He said, Well, I need one of you to be on this side and one to be on this side. So they got up close. He said, Now I want you to bend down close. He said, oh, I just wanted to know how Jesus felt when he died between two thieves. <laughs> now you know that's a good one. Now come on. At lunch you'll go, <laughs> Okay. Or you'll say, when's he going to get a new story? Okay, that's probably better. But these were two criminals. Not known to be good guys. Criminals are not good people. Amen? They're just not. If somebody's going to shoot you, that's not a good person. If they're going to steal your car, that's not a good person. If they're going to hurt you in some way or hurt your children in some way... Boy, that's the, that's the mistake of their life if the mother's available. Don't try to hurt a mother's children while she's in, in vicinity. I love the 911 call from the lady who had a shotgun and said, He's coming through my door, and if he comes through, I'm going to shoot him. And they said on 911, No, ma'am, you can't do that. Boom! Well, the boy didn't steal anything, and he never broke into another house. And she and her babies were okay. 
I don't need the government to come. If I've got to wait on them. <laughs> Criminals. Now let's jump down to verse 39. Luke 23. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults. I love the phrase. Hurled insults at Jesus. You ever been around somebody that just hurled insults at you? I got that the other night. I was uh, doing a, a, a job for Corey, uh, driving a limo. And, and one of the policies that he has is that at the wedding chapel is that we don't let anybody in the car except the bride and groom. Well, this girl come out with a camera around her neck, and she's going, she opened the door to get in. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. She said, well, I want to get in here and surprise them. I said, no, ma'am, you're not. Choom, shut the door. Well, she proceeded to let me know that she paid my salary, and by golly, she's going to yada, 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 yada. And she started calling me names I haven't been called since I was in high school. I just thought. Corey had a great comeback. He said, she had your business card. He said, ma'am, I'm a pastor. If you, you might need some help down the road. <laughs> wow. Just because I was doing what I was told to do, all of a sudden I'm a bad guy because I didn't let somebody else do what they wanted to do. Hurled, hurled insults. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us, verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? 41. We are punished justly, for we are getting what we and our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Get it? The one thief saw that Jesus had done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. You see, when your heart changes, God notices. If your heart changes, God notices. See, I I know a lot of people who say, who have said that they're a follower of Christ, but boy, their life doesn't necessarily demonstrate that. Some have gone so far as to go to the waters of baptism and rise to walk in newness of life only to behave the same way they did before they got to the water. Amen? You see, God's looking for the heart change first. Because the Bible says that God knows the intense of our heart. From the heart flows good things. Either bitter water or fresh water will flow from the heart. You will give out what is in the heart. If you have evil in your heart, unrepentance in your heart, unforgiveness in your heart, what's going to flow out? But if you've got all the other things in your heart, You've got the good things in your heart. You've got compassion and love and mercy. Wow, that's going to flow out. How could Bryant be a testimony through cancer one time and now he's going to be again in a second time? How can he do that? Why isn't he mad? Why isn't he angry? Why didn't he say, God, you healed me once. Why didn't you keep me healed? We're not going to ask why, are we? We're going to say, what? 
What is it, God, that we can do that Bryant's going to be able to do even better than he did the last time? That's how we approach it, isn't it? The doctors told Lindsay that Ed was heading for a widow-maker heart attack. But they got it before that happened. Hallelujah. She looked at me in the hospital and she said, Isn't that great? I said, Yeah, it's great. Grateful for technology. Grateful for all those things. And grateful that you made him go get the checkups. Because you know how men are. Yeah, more. Nympha. And those thieves could have said that. One of them was saying that. He's hurling abuse at him. But the other one saw a need. He saw that he was dying and he didn't have a destiny to go to. And he wanted that destiny so bad. Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus said, you'll be with me. You'll be with me. Oh, I love that. In fact, that's underlined in your outline. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. You can't good your way there. You can't hope your way there. You can't give enough money to make it there. You can only get there when you're forgiven of the sin that's in your life. It's the only way you get to heaven. You can sing that old song, Duke's a Hazard, and he's a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Great! You can be a good old boy. You might not smoke, drink, or chew, or go with women that do. You might be that kind of person. I don't know. But none of that's going to get you to heaven except a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've surrendered to His blood that He spilt on the cross for you. And then not only surrendering to it, but then you're going to live it. You're going to at least attempt to live it. Amen? It's like being married and never, and never acting like you're married. And I don't get it how guys will get married... And then they'll go spend time with all their buddies. I've got to have some guy time. What? Are you an idiot? you got that good-looking woman sitting at home and you're going to go hang out with a bunch of knothead guys? Really? No. Go home, boy. Go home. Well, she don't like doing what I like to do. Fine. That's Okay. You picked her out of the, the flower out of the tree. Come on, what are you talking about? Go make it work. Maybe you need to change. One of my sons is learning how to, how to crochet. I just looked at him. I thought, what? Because somebody else knows how to crochet. Smart kid. Taking after his mother more every day. Hallelujah. But good won't get you to heaven. You can be the best person in the world if you don't have that relationship with Jesus. That surrendered relationship with Jesus. And you've been forgiven. And here's what I know about forgiven people. Two things. Number one, a forgiven person admits they're wrong. Admits they're wrong. When you go to Psalm 51, David, seven times in three verses, takes ownership of his own sin. Man, he admits he's wrong. I blew it. God, I'm, I'm sinning against you. Ouch! Luke twenty three forty one. We are punished justly, the, the, the one criminal said, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man's done nothing wrong. 
But you see, the sad part is that there are some who just don't ever recognize that they have a need at all. I meet a lot of young people who they don't think they need anything, especially in their, the 20s and 30s right now. The 20s and 30s think everything's owed to them. Everything. They should have a car. They should have a house. They should have money to spend. They, should, they don't need a job. You're just supposed to give it to them. Why? What would you do to get it? Well, I'm your kid, so you just give it to me. Really? Awesome. I looked at Cindy the other day, and I said, Cindy, where were all these people helping us when we were raising kids? She said, well, they weren't around. I said, no, they weren't around. We had to figure it out, didn't we? We had to flat dab figure it out. That meant we didn't get to go do a lot of stuff. Okay. If there's one regret I have in life in raising my children, I should have found a way to at least take them on a trip of some kind. But I never did. Because I always said, don't have the money. And I'm not a camp out person. Holiday Inn's the roughest that I go. I'm just not a camp out person. Some people love to go lay under the ground and look at the stars. Whatever. Something's going to come and eat you during the nighttime too, so... I don't go out there. I'm, man, I'm like a buffet when the bear rolls up. Hey, all right. You know, <laughs> take me and leave the kids. I got you. They're skinny little dudes. And we're going to take the big boy. I know, I know they go, it goes through their mind when they get to the edge of the looking in at us. They can't see Cindy, so I'm the next best thing. <laughs> Here we go. But some just don't even recognize that they have a need. They're so self-absorbed. You notice how people get self-absorbed? It's all about me. All about me. You could ask our coaches how many young people they coach now. It's all about them. Every bit of it. They don't have the right helmet. They don't have the right shoulder pads. They don't have the right cleats. They got to have it all. You're asking me to do what? To turn and run what? How fast where? Have you lost your mind? No, coach, I'm not going to do any of that. So then the coach puts him on the bench. And what does happen? What happens when the coach puts him on the bench? Finding a player who wants to play. He gets a call from the kid's parents. Well, you know that my kid is the best kid that you've got on your team. I remember Coach Trimble getting a call like that. Freddie Carolina had helped him win three state championships in a row. And this mother called Freddie Carolina's senior year, and this kid was a junior. Her son was a junior. And she said, now I don't know anything about football, Coach. But my boy should be running that ball, not that Carolina boy. I don't know about you. I'm going to run Freddie Carolina until he can't run no more. He's like a Jerome Bettis. Big old kid. But she didn't understand. And when I talk to people about the Lord, they just look at you like, what? I'm not going to surrender nothing to anybody. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up who I am and what I'm all about. For God, are you lost your mind? It's just sad. It's just sad. You see, somebody flunks college because they got caught cheating. And whose fault is it? It's that professor's fault. It's that college's fault. Somebody wrote Trump 2016 in chalk on a... On a uh, a sidewalk at, at a college back east. 
They were calling in counselors to counsel these young people whose feelings were hurt because Trump is written out there on the sidewalk. You go back a few years, those were the same age kids that were going to war to fight for our freedom. This bunch we got now, they're going to fight for anything but their feelings. Slap them upside the head with their feelings. Give them something to feel about. Amen? Goodness sakes alive. I don't know how our coaches restrain themselves from beating somebody half to death. That's just crazy, isn't it? You work with some of them, don't you? Yeah, you do. You work with them. They want to make the same amount you're making, even though you've been there 20 years or more. They want to make your salary. They want to live in your house. They want that big house their parents live in because they deserve it. Why do you deserve it? Just because I do. Well, why do you do it? Because you're ugly. That's where you are. God, throw a little humbleness on your life, would you? I don't deserve to be in jail, though I stole this stuff, so I drove drunk, been abusing substances. I don't deserve to be in jail. It's the sheriff's fault. He shouldn't have found me out there. Policeman drove by at the same time. Store owner called in when I robbed him. What's the deal with him? Store owner's fault. You know how we think? That's how these young people think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got one that comes on Wednesday night, tells me all the time. said, I'm not a Christian. Bragging about it. I said, really? You're not a Christian? No. I said, I'm going to call you hell girl. Yeah, that's all right with me. I'm hell girl. I said, yeah, you are. And all of a sudden, she began to think of what she was saying. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. I want to go to heaven. I said, oh, too late. You didn't tag yourself as hell girl. That's what you are. I said, how can I call you heaven girl when you want to be hell girl? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. See, because words mean something, don't they? They just don't realize. Look at James 2.10. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. Well, I'm going to keep 23 of them. No, I'm going to keep 42. No, I'm going to keep 99. Even 99 is not good enough. It'll never be good enough until Jesus is the master of your heart and your life. So the forgiven person admits his wrong, and then secondly, he asks for eternal help. Both thieves ask for help. One for this world and one for eternity. Look back in Luke 23 at at verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Both thieves were guilty. Both were equally near to Christ. Both saw and heard what happened during those fateful six hours. Both were suffering severely. Both were dying and needed forgiveness. But only one recognized his need and the other one didn't. Do you recognize the need in your life? Do you recognize where you are with the Lord? Or how far you've drifted from the Lord? You are one of those two thieves on the crosses. And you get to decide which one you are. If you continue to reject God, 
then you become the hurler of abuse. But if you become that one who's willing to sacrifice, willing to surrender and humble himself, you become that one that awakes in paradise. Romans 3 says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law he, we became conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You see, the thief couldn't walk straight in the straight and narrow because his feet were bound. The thief couldn't perform good works because his hands were tied. He couldn't run and turn over a new leaf because he was dying. He couldn't join a church because he couldn't get off the cross. He had himself there instead of Jesus there. And so he was going to be lost. But let me tell you a good, good news. In 1 Peter 3, 1-3, our verse, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You and I have hope. You and I have found mercy. At the cross. A couple married for 15 years began having more than usual disagreements. They wanted to make their marriage work and agreed on an idea that the wife came up with. For one month, they planned to drop a slip of paper in the fault box. The box would provide a place to let the other know or the boxes, they each had a box, to let the other know about the daily irritations of their mate and how they have irritated them. So they'd write it down, drop it in the other person's box. The wife was diligent. And she approached things, and she would say, leaving the jelly top off the jar. Another one was, wet towels on the shower floor. Another one, dirty socks, not in the hamper. On and on it went till the end of the month. After dinner, at the end of the month, they exchanged boxes. The husband reflected on what he had done wrong. And then the wife opened her box and began reading. And they were all the same. A message on every slip of paper said, but I love you. But I love you. But I love you. Though my sin be as scarlet, he can make it white as snow. Father, I ask you this morning that if you would be so kind as to touch a heart here today, that they would sense your presence today. God, would you have them would you give them the courage to respond? God, we all are one or the other of the thieves who stood on each side of Jesus or hung on each side of Jesus. One was unrepentant and the other one saw a great opportunity. Would there be someone, just one person today, who would seize that opportunity to be right with you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.